guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 29, and I'm super excited for this particular episode because I'm just coming off of a weekend race, uh, a race that I am pumped about that I did really well at, and we're going to kind of dive into that here in this episode today. But I specifically want to talk about racing and having like a particularly tough race um, as far as like the heat goes. All right. So racing is one of my favorite things to kind of talk about with athletes because I love the planning and the strategy and then the execution of it all. And sometimes when you are like training for an extended period of time, things get like a little blurry, like you're showing up and you're putting in the work, but you can lose sight of why you're actually doing this stuff. And so that's why I think it's important to like throw a few races into your schedule as you're building up to your big A priority race. It just helps you to kind of hone those skills and get the reps in. So having more than one race on your annual training plan, right? We talked about that big plan that maps out your whole year is important for a variety of reasons. But for the purposes of like this episode, I want to just talk about one reason. And that reason for me was practicing heat acclimation. And running and racing in the heat can be really, really tricky, tricky, especially if you don't have the ability to to do any sort of heat acclimation ahead of time, either because you don't live in similar conditions or because mother nature isn't really providing them for you, which was essentially the case for me. So I want to back up here just a little bit and kind of give you some context. It's been a long time since I've done a race. October of 2019 was my last one. So I felt a little guess like a little out of practice for this, but that's precisely why I knew that I had to do it regardless of what the weather was going to be. Because going back to what I said before, I really needed to get the reps in. So let's talk about the race a little bit so you can kind of get a sense for what it was like. I live in New Hampshire and this race was kind of like in the smack dab middle of New Hampshire at Gunstock at the um, mountain resort. And um, it was a, they, they did a whole trail festival. So it was all weekend long. And so my race was on a Sunday and it was a 50 K and that day they ran four races actually. So there was a, an 80 K or about a 50 miler that went off at 8 AM. Um, sorry, 6 AM. My race went off at 8 AM. There was a 30 K race that went off at 10. And then I think there was a 10 K race that went off at 11. So lots of people out on the course and it was a 6.2 mile loop that kind of went, we started at the base area of the mountain and we kind of went up and through the parking lot, through the campground area, and then like circled back and came back up like the side of the mountain and then back around through the start finish area. So we didn't actually have to go all the way up Gunstock, which I was kind of excited about because that would have made it exponentially harder. Um, but it, and it was a nice loop. So there were three aid stations on the course. One was about like a mile and a quarter in from the start. The second one was three miles. And then the third one was at about mile five-ish on the course. So circling right back into the start finish area. And 
we actually camped out the night before there was the option to do that so we camped out in the parking lot we got a new rooftop tent and spent the night in the parking lot so it was great because we were there on time I didn't have to worry about rushing and getting there in time and all of that like pre-race stuff when we got up it was nice and cool it was in like the low 60s and I was kind of excited but I knew that it was going to get warmer throughout the day so I just kind of braced myself <laughs> for what I knew was coming next. And sure enough, by eight o'clock, it was already like 70 degrees and the sun was coming up and it was getting pretty warm. So, you know, we slept pretty well the night before. I will say though, <laughs> um, those of you that understand the concept of motorcycle week or bike week, like we have a pretty big bike week here in New Hampshire where motorcycles from all over the country come and they have this big festival it's not that far away from the mountain resort so late into the night and actually a lot of the motorcyclists were staying at the campground that was like a couple hundred yards we actually ran through it in the morning and late throughout the night they were doing all sorts of shenanigans like burnouts drag racing so a lot of the night was spent listening to revving motorcycles, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, but it would just be, it would be like I was getting just to sleep. Like I would just be falling asleep and then all of a sudden another one would kick off down the way and I'd be like, Ugh. <laughs> but I didn't really plan on sleeping all that well the night before the race. I never do. And so it's always the two nights that the night before the night before the race that is really important for me to get a lot of sleep which I did so I was I was fine with it so we started at 8 a.m like I said it was relatively cool at the start but I knew that it was going to warm up quickly and I checked my phone beforehand so I knew that it was going to hit like the mid to high 80s probably like mid-morning and maybe even close to the time that I was starting to finish so no like issues pre-race. I got up, I had my breakfast, I got dressed, like loaded my pack, my hydration pack and my drop bag with all of my stuff and like made it to the, the starting line with plenty of time to spare. Um, listened to all the pre-race announcements, the whole nine yards. So got off on my first lap and it was great. It was good. It was starting to warm up. I used that first lap as a warm up to just kind of get the lay of the land. And it was an opportunity for me to just like map out the course in my brain. And it was also my fastest lap, which is not surprising, but it was also kind of a strategic move for me because I wanted to get kind of as many laps in as I could before it started to get really warm. And we'll kind of talk about like why that is in a minute. But because I knew it was going to get hotter, and that I was going to slow down with the onset of the heat, I, I really wanted to like get that, get that lap in. So that was like part of my strategy. And typically I don't love looped courses like this, especially ones that are kind of this short. I'd prefer either like a longer, you know, point to point race or just longer loops or out and back type of things. But um, as I kind of like got into the swing of things and I was ticking off the loops, I actually started to enjoy the familiarity and the shortness of the route, the route because that way it was pretty consistent. Like I just, I knew the cadence, I knew what was coming next and it just got, got into a good rhythm for me. I mean, I'm just thinking in my head of other races that I have seen 
either a friend's do or I've seen like on ultra sign up that are like two mile loops and there is there is absolutely no way <laughs> that I was going that I would be able to do that. I've skipped over those races because I think that that's just too short for me. 6.2 six miles was like just just about right. With all that said, now you have kind of like an idea of the race course. Um, I want to kind of back up and talk about my objectives for this race. Now, as you guys know, I am not in any danger of winning a race anytime soon. And my objective has never been all out speed, like trying to be super fast. And I I had a, like I knew that it was going to be hot for this race and while I would have liked to have beat my previous 50k time I knew that that shouldn't be my objective for this race given the conditions. So instead my goal was to manage my body as best as I could in order to finish the race without any issues, right? Like issues being things like heat related symptoms or gut problems or like a nasty combination of both, which I've had that in the past. And I set this goal because I've noticed that over the years that my body has become less and less tolerant to the heat. And so I've really had to work at developing a strategy for racing in the heat. And this was the perfect opportunity to do it. And I kind of had to, you know, like I was forced into this. So I've been actually reading some other race reports from different people who were at the race and like 99% of them that posted the, the posts that I saw talked about how hot it was and how they had to really work to overcome that obstacle. And during the race, I saw a lot of athletes battling through things cramps, headaches, fatigue, delirium, stomach issues, like chafing and blisters, like all of the normal things, sunburns, um, like a little bit of everything, you know, it's kind of a, a smattering of all the possible things that could go wrong during an ultra, just amplified by the heat. So I kind of felt better in the sense that I wasn't the only one that was really feeling the effects, not that I you know, wished anybody to have to deal with that. But, and, and actually, I, I know there were a couple people that DNF'd because they just couldn't come back. Like with this heat stuff, you, you really have to keep it under control because you can't let it get too far ahead of you. And if you do, like if it does get ahead of you or away from you, it's really hard to rein it back in and get control over it. So that you can continue to keep racing. I mean, like that was my whole strategy. So I'm a huge proponent. And basically what I did for my entire race was just really keep a close eye on my body and tried to stay ahead of things. So in this episode, to kind of bring it all together here, I'm going to give you kind of like a, a super pro tip on something that I did during this particular race that was essentially a, a lifesaver for me. And to be honest, <laughs> a lot of other runners were jealous of this little trick that I pulled. So, but first, before I get to that, I want to actually run through some of the factors that you have to consider when it comes to running in the heat. And I'll give you my pro tip uh, at the end, then you can use it in your next race. So 
these are kind of just random thoughts, some notes that I made, and they're not really in any particular order. They're just in the order that they kind of came into my brain here. So the first one is your clothing. Now, this is really important because you need to choose the right layers and the right length of layers for what you're going to be facing, right? You have to have like a strategic plan if you're going to be running in a sunny or a hot race. You want to manage your core temperature and keep it relatively low. So you're going to have to find that balance. For this race and for, I'm going to say like pretty much every race that I do, you'll notice that I wear the same things, a tank top and black capri running tights. Um, And honestly, like the fact that they were black tights didn't really play a huge role in my core temperature. It's like, it's the outfit that I am used to. So I know how to manage, how to manage that. So it's a combination of clothing, like I said, that I've used time and time again, and I'm comfortable with it. I know that it covers the right areas and that um, it'll keep me from, you know, getting sunburned or chafed or any any number of things that happen over the course of a 50K. And actually, that brings me to a good point, which is chafing. <laughs> there are a lot of possible places that you can start to develop, you know, rubbing or raw skin or chafing or blisters when we're talking about clothing and heat. So, My preference is to cover those areas. So I'm not a big fan of like the short running shorts. I like mine to be a little bit longer. Um, I like my tank tops to be a little bit higher, both on the chest and in the arms and up the back so that I'm covering more potential rubbing spots or places where my pack will touch as well. I'm not such a fan of like, the trying to apply something like body glide or, you know, trail toes or, you know, some sort of lubricant or barrier cream, because for me, it just hasn't proved to be the best strategy. So if I can find a light or a thin layer to create that barrier, I'm going to probably choose to use that instead. So Thinking about your clothing ahead of time is really important. That comes down to like hats and, you know, visors and buffs and all of these other accessory items that you can use to deflect or, you know, cover specific areas when you're running. I actually think back to, uh, I think it was at, I think it was at Barkley where I was using my, there was a specific section of the course that I was facing the sun and I was on it for a long time. And I actually took my buff and put it right over my chest because I had a tank top on, excuse me, that was a little bit lower and I could feel like I was I was getting a sunburn right up on my chest. So I used my buff for that. I mean, there's like a million examples of that. But that's just like one of the basic first primary things. Like, what are you going to wear? The second thing and something that is also really important is your hydration strategy. So I mentioned in the last episode, I'm pretty sure, about my mission to drink a gallon of water a day leading up to this race. So for the whole week. And I pretty much did it. I got to about Thursday (laughs) and then my intake started to fizzle out a little bit, but I did feel really good going into that race, having consumed so much water. And I did vary it up a little bit with 
um, a light mixture of tailwind. So I was getting some cofactors in there, some potassium, I was getting some sodium, some electrolytes, just so that I wasn't having what I talked about before, which was like this big volume response where if you just introduce a lot of water into your system, your body is just going to uh, release more over again what you've taken in. Hopefully that was clear, but basically like if you take in a gallon, your body's going to sense that and it's probably going to push out a little bit more than that because you're just triggering this volume response. It, it thinks like, oh, there's going to be way more coming in. So we got to get rid of it. And what essentially happens is you end up being a little bit more dehydrated than you want to be. Like it's, <laughs> so you have to balance it out with some electrolytes. So anyway, the week leading up, I did a gallon of water a day, pretty much, like I said, until Thursday. So that I would go into the race well hydrated. And on a day-to-day -day basis, more of us are dehydrated than we realize. So for heading into a race, first and foremost, it's really important to be hydrated. But then over again, important on top of that, when you have a race that you know is going to be really hot or warm or exposed or have a lot of altitude where you're just going to be kind of sweating a lot and blowing through all of the liquid in your body. So having a plan leading up and then also having a plan for that day. Like, are you going to carry your own fluids? Will you take help from the aid stations? Like just what's the plan? So for me on pretty much every race I do, I wear my hydration pack and it's super comfortable for me. I wear it all the time. So I don't have like a soreness response to it. I'm very accustomed to filling it up with two liters of water, which is what my bladder will hold and just kind of cruising along, packing snacks in there and just, you know, having a gay old time. So that being said, <laughs> I did take aid from the aid stations along the way, but that was part of my plan was to have tailwind in my pack and then supplement, you know, get water from the aid stations to make tailwind because they didn't have it. They had Gatorade and plain water. So I was going to take water from them regardless. And that was, that was my strategy. Like I wanted to be quick and efficient at the aid stations, So just water. Okay. So having a plan going into this, like knowing what you're going to do and not just winging it. And I think a lot of times people, they loosely read over what the aid stations are going to have, if at all, that they're like where the aid stations are. And they just kind of assume, oh, if I'm thirsty, I'll drink. And if I'm not, I'll just wait to the next aid station. But sometimes that isn't an efficient strategy. Like you, you have to have some sort of plan uh, and be ahead of things. So drinking to thirst typically works, but if you are in a hot or a high environment with a lot of altitude, if you went into the race being dehydrated ahead of time, that's not necessarily the best strategy. And you might actually want to think about setting a timer on your watch or just keep it being aware of the time intervals and actually drinking more on a schedule. I mean, there's like a little bit more nuance to that, but I just kind of want to throw that out there for you to be thinking about versus just showing up to the race and being like, well, I've got some water in my pack and I'm just going to wing it at the aid stations. <laughs> okay. So uh, clothing, hydration. The third thing 
and I'm sure you guys can predict what this is going to be, but your fueling strategy. So it's necessary for you to eat during ultras. Um, you know, some people can go longer bouts of time without food. I personally do better when I am consuming some calories either through actual whole food or via having um, my my, tra- my tailwind, my hydration mix. That really helps me during really hot conditions. So it, um, it can be difficult during exceedingly hot races to want to actually eat something, to want to put something in your mouth and chew it. And so that's where having an electrolyte mix that actually has some carbs in it will go a long way to kind of keep your blood sugar at a consistent level versus just drinking water and then having a bar or a, sh- a goo shot, like, a you know, some sort of a... Um, a a carb shot blocks or chews or, you know, those kinds of things where you're kind of spiking your blood sugar and then crashing and then spiking and crashing. So if you can find a mix that has some carbs in there and you can sip it consistently, it just, for me, that has been the key to keeping my energy kind of consistent. And then I'll supplement with things along the way. Um, And again, I'm laughing because, you know, aid stations at ultras are notoriously smorgasbords, right? Maybe not so much during the pandemic where everything was really pared down. But at this particular race, we were kind of back to that place where there's chips and there's candy and there's bananas and potatoes and PB&Js. And so it's, you know, kind of like a little buffet. And all of those things I might eat normally, like on a day-to-day basis, but when it comes to an ultra and a particularly hot ultra, you have to be pretty focused on what you are going to eat, what is part of your plan, and what is not part of your plan, okay? How much are you going to eat? Um, When are you going to eat? And where does that food come from? Does it come from you or does it come from the aid stations? And that's really important. And just like the hydration strategy, what you're going to do, don't wing it, (laughs) okay? Think about ahead of time, what are your kind of approved foods and what is just completely off the table that you know you shouldn't touch? And you might be saying like, well, how do I know that? This just comes through time and practice. I'm always encouraging my athletes, um, both my private clients and the Run Farther Faster Stronger group to test, 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 put everything to the test well in advance of your actual race day so that you know, hey, I can only really handle half a banana when it's really hot. I shouldn't try to force down a whole one. Those types of things just come with practice and getting the reps in, which is why I think it's important to have more than one race on your schedule. Even if it's a uh, a bunch of races that are well spaced out, well planned, that help you to test out specific things. So one race, you might be really honing in on your gear, what you're going to wear. The next race, you're working on your hydration. The next one, you're working on your food. You know, you can you can really break it down into its component parts to have a pretty dialed in strategy for the actual big A priority race day. Um, the last thing that I want to kind of talk about, and this ties into my pro tip for you guys, is your actual race strategy. So if it's really hot, you might have to adjust 
what your goals are. And that's precisely what I did. You know, I would have loved to have recorded my fastest 50K time on this course. I think I could have done it. There was a fair amount of highly runnable terrain and really only like one or two hills that were very steep where you were really digging your toes in to catch a foothold to climb up the hill. Um, So I I definitely think I could have, but the heat was a big factor for me. And I knew that going ahead of time. So I had to really adjust how I was going to run this race in order to get across the finish line. Like I really did not want to DNF. I've actually DNF'd a race before because of heat, because of all these things, actually, because of heat, because of nutrition, because of hydration, partly because the race course was really poorly marked and I got lost for a half an hour in the woods with a guy from Canada. That's a whole other story. (laughs) It's a whole other story that I will probably tell at another time. But I had DNF'd a race because I didn't have a good heat strategy. And on that particular day, it was like, uh, I was going for 100k. It was hot. It was humid. It was August in New Hampshire. It was brutal. It was it was pretty bad. So this is why I'm kind of like reiterating this stuff to you guys. Like I've been there, I've done it. And I want you guys to have the knowledge and the practice ahead of time before you try to attempt your, you know, fastest time, your PR during um, a race that's really hot. So I knew that I was going to have to adjust my goal. I just did. I was going to really focus on managing my core temperature my fluids, my nutrition, and I wanted to finish and I wanted to finish well. Like I didn't want to be, you know, hobbling across the finish line or doubled over having cramps or have to be, you know, escorted off the um, course by medical staff. Like I just, that, that was not going to be how I finished this race. So um, managing my core temp, my food and my fluid, um, that was my goal. So that was my race strategy. It was run where I could, walk where I needed to, um, and just keep a constant and consistent eye on my core temperature and how I was feeling. Like, was that was my stomach good? Was it starting to turn? Was I hungry? Was I thirsty? And so it was just kind of this consistent systems check with myself throughout the whole race. So I didn't really listen to music. I did a couple times, but... <laughs> um, uh, my, I keep my phone in the front pouch of my hydration pa- uh, pa- pack. And a couple of times I was dousing myself with water. And because of that, the actual fabric on the pouch was wet and it was messing with my phone. Like it kept skipping songs or it would kept starting songs over. So I had to abandon it. <laughs> I had to abandon it for a while. I don't know what was happening. My phone was like short circuiting. So your race strategy can be focused on one thing or you can focus on a couple things. So if it is going to be your pace or your speed, you need to think about how you're going to manage these other factors during a hot race. If you are just focused on finishing you can really dial in on that systems check like I was talking about. So for me, this time around, focusing on my body and all of my systems, it meant that I had to walk a little bit more than I probably would have. Well, definitely more than if it were just a race under you know normal temperatures because I could really start to feel 
my body warming up. Like I could, I, you know, I can start to feel like my head gets a little thick, like the pressure starts to build in my head. And that's when I know that I'm beginning to get hot or overheated. So the first thing I do in that sense is I just shut it down. I start to walk. I ramp up my water. I take a, you know, assessment. Do I need more food? What do I need to do? Can I cover myself or can I, could I cool myself off in some way that would help me bring that core temperature back down? So those are, that's a, that's a lot of stuff in there, but it's worth mentioning because you need to have some practice, get some reps in to know what to do in that scenario. I, I can't give you a one size fits all. If you start to feel hot, do this. But I mean, you know you best. And for me, when I get hot at core temperature rises, I know I need to cool it down. So walking, getting some more fluids in me, and then maybe, you know, cooling myself off with water or ice or, you know, fanning myself, whatever, right? You got to get creative sometimes. Having strategies for that, but also, you know, what if your stomach goes sideways? Like I had some tablets in my pack for if I had, you know, gas, or if I started to have some lower GI issues. These are all things that you kind of want to think of ahead of time and not rely on the aid stations because they don't, they might not necessarily have those things. Some of the smaller races don't. Some of the larger and longer races are a little more prepared for that. They expect those types of things. But I'm always of of the mindset that I should have all of that stuff either on me, like in my pack stashed somewhere, or easily accessible to me through my pacer or my crew or whatever. So these are things that you're all really, um, that you would really be best served to think about ahead of time before you get to the race, like having a game plan so that you're not faced with making that decision in the moment. Because that's not the time to be doing that kind of stuff. Like you want to know ahead of time how you're going to handle the majority of those situations um, and not standing in front of an aid station, hot, tired, exhausted, hungry. Um, but those That's like a recipe for disaster. So let me give you my pro tip here that really helped to save me during this race. One of the things that I have learned over the years, not only from like racing a bunch, but also having put on a bunch of races, is that you need to read the rules that the race director sends you pretty thoroughly. So whether that's like on the webpage when you sign up for the race, or maybe you get an email close to the actual race day, those are the things that you want to pay attention to. So you want to get as much information as possible ahead of time. So it comes typically in the form of that race email, maybe a a week or a couple days before the race. And you want to read that pretty carefully. And you want to understand what the policies are for the race, like where the aid stations will be. Can you have pacers? Can you have muling? Where's packet pickup? All the stuff. And for this email, the, the email that I got for this race, the they said that we were allowed to receive aid from a fixed position from from family and friends or, you know, uh, from a fixed position on the course, meaning they couldn't chase us around from point to point to point, but they could hand us stuff um, from one spot on the course as we ran by. Okay, it's pretty common, like this is a pretty common thing. Um, but when I read this, 
I did like a little happy dance because I already knew I kind of had this idea formulated in my head, but I really got excited when I read that because I knew that there would be no issues, right? So you can totally steal this during your next race if it's allowed, right? Got to read the rules. And if you have questions, like kind of like a little side note here, if you have questions about this stuff, like I was actually talking about um, an upcoming race that some of the members in Run Farther, Faster, Stronger are going to do. And they, I was saying like, you know, such and such a race is going to have Tailwind as their hydration mix. And one of the members said, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, first of all, going back to my, my previous point, like the, the race should have some sort of a website that kind of outlines all those details. But if they don't, don't be afraid to reach out to the race director or email whatever the the gen, general, you know, email address is and just ask those questions because you need to do your due diligence to figure out how best you can race. And quite honestly, I look at that as a service to the race directors as well, because if you're taking the time to ask those questions and you want to know the under, uh, the information, you are, you're trying to set yourself up for success. Like you're taking ownership of your race and you're not relying on them to kind of handle things for you. Right. So that's how I view this because I think it's important not to just solely rely on them. Like we need to be self-sufficient as much as possible, right? That's kind of like what I think the spirit of Ultra is. Like, yes, it's great to have support staff and crew and, you know, aid stations and all that stuff. But when it comes right down to it, you really need to understand your body, how it works and what its limiters are and then plan for those. Okay, that was a little bit of a tangent, but really important, all right? So my pro tip is to, or what I did essentially, was once I found out that we could take aid from a fixed position on the course, I brought my uh, small Yeti cooler and I filled it up with about 10 pounds of ice the day before, because remember we were camping in the parking lot, so I had to get it ahead of time, and just left it in the cooler overnight, still super cold in the morning, but had a little water in the bottom of it. And what we did was, you know, everybody else was setting up their, their team spot or their drop bags in or close by to the start finish area in the open sun near the base lodge, like totally exposed by, you know, 10 a.m. It was already blazing hot there. So what we did, my husband and I, was that when we got there the night before, we kind of just walked around because I wasn't familiar with where the course would, would be going. We walked backwards up the course into the woods and actually scoped out a spot in the woods, in the trees, in the shade that was going to be permanently shady all day long. And it was, um, I think it was at like, if I had to guess, it was probably at mile 5.5. So I had just come from the five mile aid station downhill. And then I would get to my aid station. And then I would run through the start finish area and then back out on the course. And after, like after you drop out of the woods and head towards the start finish area, for about a mile to the next aid station, it's open, it's very hot and like exposed. So this was a really good spot. So we picked this spot the night before we set up that I had a chair and a drop bag and the cooler in the woods. It was there all day long. And that was my self-serve aid station at 5.5 miles. 
and it was right before you go out into the sun. So every time I passed that spot, I stopped and I dealt with anything that needed attention, like blisters or chafing, or I need more sunscreen. Did I have trash that I needed to get rid of, get more snacks? And then I would take off again. I would grab two fistfuls of ice, because remember the whole thing was filled with 10 pounds of ice, and I would just start stuffing them down into my clothes, primarily down my sports bra in the front and down the back, like right along my spine. And then I had this cooling towel, which if you don't have a cooling towel or a buff, I would highly recommend that you grab one. And I would just dunk it into the water at the bottom of the cooler, totally ice cold either over my head or down my back or just I would wet my arms and legs to just get that cooling effect. You guys, it was a total game changer. That ice allowed me to keep a handle on my core body temperature and not allow it to get to an unsafe level because I basically would spend the, the entire time from that spot all the way to the next aid station fishing ice out of my sports bra and using it to cool me down. So I would be putting it on, you know, my pulse points, on my neck, on my on my elbows, like I would stuff some down my pants to get like my femoral artery, uh, just trying to get any place where my blood is close to the surface of my skin in like a big volume to try to cool to cool myself down. And it was for sure, the thing that really helped to save me. I mean, I'm sure I looked silly <laughs> fishing ice out of my sports bra, um, but it just felt really good. And it definitely helped me to keep that core temperature low. And I, and I really looked forward to it on every lap because by the time I would come back around, I would be starting to get really warm. Um, I was definitely taking water at the aid stations in that cooling tower and uh, cooling towel and doing the same thing, squishing it over my head, you know, wetting my arms, just trying to pat my face down, just enough to allow the breeze to evaporate off my skin and give me that cooling effect. But um, by the time I would get back to my aid station, I would be really craving another couple fistfuls of ice. And it's funny because a lot of other runners <laughs> commented on my self-serve aid station as they ran by. They were like, you could tell that they were bummed that they were about to like head to theirs that were in the open, exposed, you know, field. Even if they had a tent as part of their setup, it was still really hot, you guys. So that's my pro tip. Read the rules, figure out what the aid station layout is going to be, and then kind of formulate your own kick-ass strategy for running in a super hot race. You know, know what you need and then figure out a way to make it possible for that race. Okay. You know, I mentioned that like over the years, I've noticed this gradual uptick in my sensitivity to the heat. And if this is something that you've struggled with, I'm actually going to be putting together like a whole training on this and kind of going into some more detail, more than I did here. Um, and it's actually going to be included in the next round of my group coaching program, Run Farther, Faster, Stronger, which if you didn't see my most recent Instagram post starts on July 19th. So that means that applications are open right now. And I've been getting like at least one to two emails a day about it for the last couple of weeks. So 
guys can stop emailing me now and just go <laughs> apply for the program. You can't just sign up for it. It's not like open registration. You have to go and apply and spots are limited. So you're going to want to go to megan-gould.com forward slash run farther, faster, stronger. And there's a dash in between each of those words, run farther, faster, stronger. Okay. So um, I read every single application that comes in and I hand pick a few runners to join the existing group of members that stay from the previous round. So it's open to men and women of all ages and abilities, whether you're looking to run five miles, like you're just getting back into running or you're trying to run your furthest ultra, like 500 miles, what, you know, as far as you want to go. And if you're looking for help incorporating the elements of a really solid run training plan, so run walk training, strength, mobility, rest and recovery. And if you're also looking for like a really kick-ass community of runners that will cheer you on and support you and hold you accountable to your goals, this is it, you guys. Like I can't say enough about how cool the runners are that we have in this crew. Okay. So again, you can go to my website, megan-gold.com forward slash run farther, faster, stronger. Remember there's a dash in between each of those words to apply, but I'll also post the um, link down in the show notes, or if you follow me over on Instagram, you can find that link in my bio. So If you're interested, go ahead and apply ASAP because spots are first come first serve and I offer them to qualified applicants in the order that they apply. So get in there early. And once you apply, you'll get an email from me just confirming that I got your submission and I'll probably have a couple follow-up questions for you too because again, I really like to learn about everyone that is in the program so that I can kind of cultivate a good cohesive crew. Okay, before I close out this episode and drop the beat, I want you guys to listen to what Ben had to say about the last round of Run Farther, Faster, Stronger. I know it's made me a stronger runner. I feel like doing back-to-back days and weekend runs, I can go out and do that now. I don't go, oh man, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. I I enjoy doing it now. Mm -hmm. But what really clicked in for me was when I did that run 27 and a half miles. Yeah. And that was supposed to be like a 40 mile day, but my buddy, he started having stomach issues. I felt awesome at 27 and a half. I was like, dude, let's go for another 20. I don't care. I'm, I'm ready to go. I don't want to quit. I think that was like the point for me that I'm like, man, I feel awesome. And I'd done that run on that course before. And I felt like shit after that run. What prompted you to sign up for the program in the first place? Um, I think my biggest driver was knowing that I was probably going to struggle on my 50 mile run this summer if I didn't start implementing more strength and core and all that into my training, It, which is over the last year and a half, I didn't do any of that. I just ran. That's all I did. So what has been kind of your experience with the program in terms of like the schedule and the videos? It gave me what I needed to do, but also kind of held me accountable because Mm -hmm. I'm one of them people that if I don't have some kind of accountability a little bit, I'm just like, yeah, I'll get to tomorrow. Well, tomorrow turns into next week and the week after. What are you most excited about for round number two? Oh, no, I just, I've enjoyed this whole program together. Just kind of the weekly calls, everything with it. I going to continue to look forward to that and just kind of building to, like you said, an arsenal of stuff I can pull out if something's aggravating me. It was a good experience altogether. I'm really glad I did it. All right, you guys. Well, that does it for this episode. 
head on over to my website to apply for Run Farther Faster Stronger. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.